0: Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson for today is just two verses taken from the book of Proverbs where Solomon recorded wise sayings that we live out in the fear of the Lord. I'll read that and then I'll ask you to join me in prayer. Proverbs 25 verses 6 and 7. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go before our God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We're starting a new sermon series called Hard Truths, and I introduced earlier that the hard truth that we're looking at today is this. The humble will be exalted, and those who exalt themselves will be humbled. You might ask yourself, what's so hard about that? It's not really that difficult to understand, nor is it really that difficult to accept, because we all get it, right? Right? No one wants to be prideful, and no one wants to be around someone who's prideful. So we all try to act without pride. But what we forget is just how blinding pride can be. Pride is not only something that is difficult to recognize in ourselves, but pride, pride is really the root, it's really the basis for every sinful thought, every wrong action that we do. So today we're going to look at the idea of spiritual pride and spiritual humility. And as we do, I want to center our thoughts around three things. Ready? We're going to center our thoughts around your big toes, around assigned seating, and thirdly, around your job resume. Okay? We're going to center around big toes, assigned seats, and your resume. But before that, let's talk about what this proverb is what it is not. We read Proverbs 25 just a moment ago. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence if you do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. What this proverb is not is just advice on etiquette or manners. It's not one of those neat little quips that you might see listed in an article of 20 things to remember when you go out to a fine dining experience. Like, you know, it's better to be overdressed than underdressed. Don't lick your knife. Someone offers you a mint, take it. No, no, no. That's not what this proverb is. If it was merely that, just some really helpful things to remember, like, okay, don't take the best seat, wait to be invited for it, that's pretty common practical sense. If that was it, we might call this, like, easy truths to remember. But there is a hard truth here, a hard spiritual truth here, and that is perhaps no more clearly demonstrated to us by the fact that Jesus picked up on this parable in his real ministry, in real life, as he saw pride unfolding before his eyes. Jesus went out to eat with some acquaintances, with some people that he knew. He was at the home of a Pharisee and as he's watching everybody come in. He's seeing how everyone jockeys for position, how everyone is trying to set themselves up in some place that is representative of their status. And Jesus knew he was being watched. So he took the moment to teach. To teach a hard truth, and he gave a parable that reflects our proverb. Jesus said, When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, Give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, Take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. And then Jesus added this, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus knew a very hard truth about ourselves. He knew that innately, on our own, what we want to do is take the responsibility for exalting ourselves. We want to take responsibility, and we often take action for exalting ourselves before others. We do this by either putting others down or by showing favoritism, like James says, to people who we perceive as above us so that they might elevate us. Jesus identified this in our hearts about the about us and about those there and he gave a very hard spiritual truth to hear that people who do that they will be humbled but people who humble themselves they will be exalted and then we start to get at what this parable this proverb and this parable are really all about it's not about etiquette or manners but it is about posture it's about how you are sitting before your God, the posture of your heart. Because you hear something like that, even the idea that, okay, well, those who humble themselves will be exalted. That sounds pretty good. I'll humble myself so that I get exalted. I will show favoritism. No, no, no. I won't do that, but I'll treat everyone equally so that I receive the favor of God. But you see what's going on there, don't you? We're being prideful, we're being self-centered or self-interested, even about this promise, even about this hard truth that Jesus gives. What he's saying is, look, look at your posture, the way your heart sits before me. Don't just not concern yourself with exalting yourself. Don't even worry about exaltation. Don't just not try to take a good seat for yourself. Don't just not try to elevate your status don't even worry, don't even lose any sleep about your status before people. Because you see what happens when even on the outside you demonstrate the most humble piety that there could be, but on the inside really are worried and concerned about how you look in front of your peers, about how you're presenting yourself in this room. You see what's going on, don't you? It's utter selfishness. All you're thinking is about you. And so that is the hard truth that we need to hear in this, that the deeply injured part of our souls is our ego, ourselves. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher and theologian, said this in his book, Sickness Unto Death. He said it's the normal state of the human heart to try to build its identity around something besides God. Spiritual pride, therefore, is the illusion that we are competent to run our own lives, achieve on our own self-worth, and find a purpose big enough to give us meaning in life without God. Did you already said it's the default position? It's the default position of all human hearts to what? To want to be something, to want to try to elevate ourselves and do so Without God, there's something deeply wrong with ourselves. There's something that's broken about ourselves. And yeah, it might manifest itself in the way that we interact with others, always trying to elevate ourselves above others. But the reality is, it's not first in relation to the people next to us, it's in our relationship with God. And so now we're gonna talk about big toes. Here's an illustration that helps, I think, bring the idea of an injured self out more clearly than any others. How many of you thought about your big toes today before I brought them up? We don't. None of us wake up in the morning and wiggle our toes and think, oh yes, today is going to be a great day because my toe is just feeling immaculate. No, the reality is we don't think about our toes. We don't think about our elbows unless what? They're hurt. We don't think about our toe unless we stub it. We don't think about our toe unless we drop something on it or break it or happen to have a surgery on it. We just don't. We just carry on throughout the day because our toes are functioning. They're working. But what happens when they're hurt? Well, we draw all of our attention to them. And that's no different with ourself, with our ego, with our pride, it's hurt, and that's why in every experience that we have, in every conversation that we have, what do we do? We draw attention to it. We think about it, even as we're just looking at the other person that we're supposed to be there with, or maybe even be there with, serving. We just draw attention to me, my, because on a very deep level, we're hurt. We're hurting. Our ego is insatiably trying to fill a hole that, as Kierkegaard said, is seeking to find meaning, seeking to find purpose, seeking to find status, and do so without God. In other words, our entire life is trying to take a square peg and fit it into a round hole because there's just one thing that can fill us. And that is the love of our Lord, the gospel, the message of Christ. And when we try to fill it with other things, including ourselves, it's always gonna hurt. It's always gonna not work or be broken. So, how do you make yourself forget about your injured toe? How do you make yourself forget about yourself, your your injured pride? And this insatiable desire to, to fill itself before others, we well, check the seating chart. You check the seating chart because your place has already been assigned. We read this proverb that talks about seating charts, or assigned seats. Don't exalt yourself in the king's presence and claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, "Come up here than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. You see, we often read these proverbs and we read them just as though they're interesting factoids about how we can get by in life in a wise kind of way. But let us not divorce this proverb from scripture. Let us not divorce these proverbs and take them out of the narrative, the meta-narrative of God's plan of salvation. Because here's the really good news. The king has come to you. And he's already said to you, come up here, sit with me. Be next to me. Take this place of honor next to Christ, your king. And how? Think about this. Jesus himself said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And where was that seen more clearly than in the life of your Savior? Philippians chapter 2 records this. Jesus Christ, starts out in verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God as something to be used to own advantage. Jesus didn't even seek status with himself. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name and that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Your savior went so far as to humble himself, humble himself to the point of death, but he didn't do so thinking about himself or his ego or his pride or his will. He did it the whole time thinking about you, knowing that his God, his savior, your God and my God would exalt him. And in so doing, he would take away the punishment for all of our pride He would take away the punishment for all of our pride that leads to all of our sin, and he would give him a place with him. He would give us a whole new status, not before men, but before God himself, that you are his and he is yours. We just sang the hymn. If you turn back just a page and look at verse two, the words fit so well. Jesus, your face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone, but nothing I did could ever atone. But Jesus, you paid the debt. And what did that result in? Well, look it back to verse one. An orphan lost before the fall, running, had no righteousness of our own, had no right to draw near God's throne. But now you do. You don't just have the right to draw near God's throne. Christ Jesus has raised you up and seated you next to God's throne. Colossians chapter 3 tells us, Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Back to that verse, the chorus says, you raised me up so high above my station. Our station in life, our relation in life to other people is not even a thing that we need to consider ourselves in. Why? Because in Christ Jesus, the king's come to you. He said to you, come up here. Come so high up here and sit down with me. Your relation... Your status before others is not even a thing to be mindful of. It, it's like your big toe. It's not even something to think about, because it's working. Your ego, yourself, it doesn't need to be puffed up because it's been filled up in Christ Jesus. So now what do we do with that status? Well, this is where we're going to talk about your job resume. All right, so you know the truth, the hard truth that our ego is broken, our sense of self-worth is broken on its own, and it's always going to be thinking and drawing attention to itself, were it not for the fact that we have been made new, we have been made whole, we have been healed in Christ. So now here's the question, Christian, how do you act? Here's the practical, applicable question. Can a Christian who doesn't think about themselves in the same, same way that we don't think about our toe or our elbow functioning, can you sit down and fill out a job resume? Can you th- sit down and write about yourself in such a way that elevates others so that they see you and your accomplishment? In fact, they may even see you over and above someone else. Can you do that? C.S. Lewis, in his, in his book, Mere Christianity, wraps up the chapter on pride and humility, but giving a very helpful definition of biblical true humility that is worth repeating if you've heard me say it before. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Oftentimes, that's the picture that we get of humility, that it's kind of this, uh, woe is me, you're right, I'm not very good, I'm terrible, kind of thinking, but that doesn't reflect the relationship that you have with Christ, that he has you up, that he has seated you next to him in the very throne room of God. Now, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Pride is, of course, thinking more of yourself. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking about yourself less. It's, again, being like a big toe. You enter in every conversation, every exchange, every experience that you have in life, but you're not there drawing attention to yourself, thinking like, oh, what am I going to say next? How do I look around all these peers? Do I even want to be here among my peers? No, you're simply not thinking of yourself. You're not thinking of yourself at all, but you're thinking less of yourself or less often. Where does that kind kind of thinking come from? Well, it only comes from knowing that you have been filled up, that you have a status in Christ, and the responsibility to elevate yourself, it's just not yours, but it is Christ. He has taken that responsibility on himself, and he's got your back. He's going to vouch for you. He's going to vouch for you, not just before others, but he's vouching for you before the very throne room of God, raising you up so high above your station. And that frees us, that heals us. So we're not thinking about ourselves. You think about that. What would it be like to enter in to all of the different vocations of your life and and just lose yourself? Just enjoy that freedom of of self-forgetfulness. What would it look like to be in the workplace and just not think about yourself? What would it be like to serve your kids, and not be concerned about yourself? What would it be like to be in a conversation with a friend and, and not thinking about how you come across, but only them? Only about your status in Christ, which frees you to just look to the needs of others. It sounds almost too idealistic, doesn't it? that we would completely forget about ourselves in the same way that we really completely forget about how our toes are keeping us balanced. How can it be? How can it be that we can enter into life that way? There is only one way. It's knowing the king has assigned your seat. And so you don't need to take the responsibility on yourself to find a good one or find a different one. He has seated you next to him. He has given everything that is Christ to you, including your station and your vocation in life. And now we're just free to be like Christ. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen.